Hi, and welcome to an episode of the Jet Rails Podcast. I'm Robert Rand, your host. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, achieving e-commerce growth in a down market. So as uh, everyone listening knows, there is turmoil that is impacting e-commerce businesses as well as any sort of merchant, uh, whether they're up, they're down, um, they're, they're hurting, um, they're, they're dealing with unique challenges. We certainly want to spread some love around things that you can be doing uh, to position yourself both to, to get through a crisis like this and um, potentially to, to come out ahead when all is said and done to, to be better positioned in the market. Uh, I'm joined today uh, by Sasha um, from Catapult Revenue, and we're going to be talking about uh, you know the ins and outs when it comes to marketing and related topics. Um, before we jump right into that, I, I do want to share uh, in all of our episodes right now, I'm throwing in a little public service announcement that um, we are at JetRails part of some initiatives in the community to support merchants in need um, that need help quickly to uh, address uh, whatever they're, they're dealing with. That includes uh, offline merchants that are trying to get online quickly. It includes existing merchants that uh, need forms of assistance. I'm going to share some links in the description of the episode in the, in the notes and uh, certainly welcome you to check that out. Um, and if there's anything that we can do to support you, um, whether directly at JetRails or um, through uh, inviting you to chat with some of our partners with various expertise across the e-commerce spectrum, um, we're here for you. So uh, we hope to hear from you. With that, um, Sasha, would you do us the honor of introducing yourself? Yeah. So quick summary, not to overpitch myself. I've been running my own businesses almost my entire life. I started making money when I was 13. And I think I've like, I've never stopped. And I first, my first brick and mortar business here in the United States, I started end of 2001. And I have never worked for a day of my life for anybody. I did work at the France company, but there was like an equity agreement there. So that doesn't count. Hmm. Um, today, I am running a digital marketing company, and we have a few brands. One of the brands is called Catapult Revenue, and that brand is completely focused on e-commerce and e-commerce only. I think that my expertise is, I wouldn't say that I am a retailer, as I'm not. I'm not an e-tailer, as I'm not, but what I am is somebody who just racked up a lot of miles in various businesses, and I know how to grow a business absolutely irregardless of conditions. And what I could probably share today, which would be useful across the board, whether you're listening to this podcast now in March or April of 2020, where there is so much fear out there because of coronavirus, so many businesses are closing temporarily. And I think some of them may not reopen, actually, it depends on how long this thing is going to take, or whether you're listening to this 6, 9, 12, months down the road or two, five years down the road, I think some of the fundamentals that uh, I will be talking about today, they apply, like absolutely regardless of what state the economy is. Yeah. And, you know, Sasha, I think you, you and I have both uh, been through recessions with, with uh, clients and, and merchants in tow and, uh, you know, seen some of the things that have worked universally uh, pretty well, um, you know, concepts and, and what have you. Um, things that have not uh, panned out a as much. And so, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you're with me today to share some of that knowledge um, and understanding that uh, the businesses are going to be dealing with cash flow crunches and with a lot of uh, volatility in the market. And so, um, you know, not, not trying to uh, make believe that, that there isn't market volatility and, uh, and that there aren't challenges that, that go above and beyond your marketing. But um, there's a lot out there that you can do. And so with that, why don't we start by talking about any mm, any misconceptions that you're running into in the market, um, anything that uh, you're hearing from merchants and businesses that, um, that, that you think might be potentially detrimental, that, that where they might be uh, engaging in strategies that are more prone to failure? Definitely. So, But I think first it's worth noting that so many of Fortune 1000 businesses were launched 
during times of economic recessions. Like so incredibly many. Like FedExes of the world were started during recessions when the economy was no good. So when you think about your business, your company, your website, whatever it is that you're doing, I think the major misconception, it's not even a misconception, it's just a very faulty way of thinking, right? What, what is that old saying? When there is greed, right? You got to fear and you got to run away. When there is fear, you got to be greedy. I know I mm. totally butchered that quote, <laughs> but, 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 but it's truth, right? So, so well, everyone tends to go into the market when the market is hot. I'm talking about like stock market, right? Sure. And then everyone runs away like as soon as shit hits the fan. Can I say some the word shit here? Is that um, I, I think so. I think You're now okay? I, right. I have to mark this episode as, uh, <laughs> as explicit material, but hey, you know, let's do it. At least. So, so I think that like the first thing that you got to think about, regardless of what type of business you're running, is that when everyone is thinking contraction, when people like worry and they try to take up like the hardest defense positions, you got to start thinking expansion. You got to start thinking, how do I exploit this weak thinking on my competitor's end, right? Because if you're going to take up the same position as them, you're going to contract just as they will, and you might not survive. And we know that I think the only industry that has the higher failure rate than e-commerce is the restaurant industry, right? Like failure rate in the commerce business is spectacular. It's like 80 to 95%, I believe, is the failure rate because people go in without the right thinking, the right budgets, they just go and do stuff. Like, I want you to think, like, as a merchant, I want you to think that, like, when things are bad, you got to think, like, how do I expand? How do I capitalize on this fear? And, and there are so many ways, but, like, the fundamentals are, are really simple, right? You got to be where and when customers are looking for your products. I know the things that I'm saying are, like, beyond simple, but at the same time, if you were to audit a million e-commerce websites, to see just how findable their products are. Are they where and when people are looking for their products? Overwhelming majority couldn't be found. Yeah. Second thing, you have to give your customers, your prospects, what it is that they want so that in return, they give you what you want, which is sales, right? And again, something really basic, but when you go to overwhelming majority of uh, uh, merchants, their websites, and you look at pro product descriptions, my God, it's like such a simple thing, but it's lacking to like such a high degree where a customer is left like looking at it and wondering whether this is something that would fit or not, something that would work or not. And where are your, uh, where's your return policy? And do you have great customer service? How do I make sure that you're a legit shop? Because often enough, you go to an e-commerce website and what happens is like, I don't know if this is a legit shop. I better go shop on Amazon. Right, and for some of you, Amazon works great, and for others, it doesn't. Like, I'd like to keep my business channel to my website rather than Amazon to maintain my profit margin. Pretty basic, right? So, so those things like are really something that, especially in the tough times, like like think about that. Yeah. And, and here's another thing that's absolutely bewildering to me, and I know I'm absolutely like rambling on here, but when you think about like market leaders. You could learn so much from them, right? Like so much from them. Like how did they become as big as they have become? Like my favorite example in the world of e-commerce, aside from the obvious Amazon, is Zappos. Like what makes Zappos so unique, aside from their phenomenal customer service, which was a key to their initial growth, right, is the fact that everything they sell has a very short video like every product is accompanied by a short demo. Like for you guys, like it doesn't matter how many items you have. Like if your product could be demoed, it should be demoed. And it literally takes like a couple minutes to do that. And if right now or at any other time you're experiencing downtime, it's a great way to invest that time. Do product demos, whatever it is that you might be carrying. If you have that physical object, if you don't drop ship to the point where you just do not have any of it in your warehouse or in your spare bedroom, however you might be running your business, 
like, like get those items out and just demo them. And by the way, the, the investment into equipment for you to set up like a, almost a professional grade studio to demo those products the way that Zappos does it, I mean, it will cost you maybe like 1200 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's amazing that, you know, that there su is such a spectrum. I, I know from amongst, you know, JetRail's uh, user base that the failure rate of, of business is ex extremely, extremely low because they're mostly a little bit more established. When you yep. talk about the wider e-commerce market, um, there are an infinite number of websites, uh, you know, between all the different e-commerce platforms and such that launch you know, where people are spending $20, $30 a month to run an e-commerce shop, they add some product and they wonder, you know, and, and it's almost like if I built it, the shoppers will come. Um, but this is not the e-commerce world of 10 years ago when there were very few websites to choose from and you stood a good chance of, uh, of rising up organically in the search engine rankings without a lot of attention to it. And you could just, you know, run some simple ads really, really cheap and, do other things. You've got competition, uh, if not for your products, then at least uh, for your customers, for their time and, and their attention. So, um, you know, th there's a lot, absolutely, that if you want to see growth in, in e-com today, that you've got to, you know, be where, where the customer's at, as, as you said, Sasha, and, and you have to be compelling for them. And, you know, and, and we talk a lot about conversion rate optimization and things that basically make it easier for that shopper to figure out that this is a purchase that they want to make and to, to actually make that purchase. And when we're, we're looking at, um, at a lot of the overall process, there are standards today in terms of the site feeling secure and being secure, um, just you know, more importantly, in many ways, um, the site being fast. And you know, there are signals that people take about the quality of your website and your business um, so first impressions in a lot of ways can, uh, can make or break online and some of it's subconscious, um, but there are a lot of basic standards that people don't always think about when they're launching an e-commerce and that, that absolutely have major, major impact. And what you just said also applies not to those who have just launched. It applies to seasoned merchants as well. Like we had clients come to us who have been in business for like five, seven, eight years. And we'll look at their top line and they're like $5 million in revenue. And what I want to know is like, who's your top competitor? Like who carries a very similar product line? It's especially applicable to like B2B guys. Let me use an example of, let's say that you're selling $5 million worth of HVAC equipment per year. If you're doing $5 million in e-commerce, you're already okay, right? You passed certain like points of like serious hardship as many like e-commerce has never breakthrough even a million but at five million if you're hungry which you should be because five million is still is a very small business right now we're asking them questions like who are your top direct competitors they show us companies and they do like 500 million dollars in revenue and we ask them what's the difference they're like they're just bigger they sell it more and I'm like why are they selling so much more than you do for like every dollar that you attract they get a hundred how come and it usually comes down to once again like some basics right are they out marketing you yes is their website outdoing your website mm -hmm. by the way like how much will it cost for your website to be competitive great to what their website is right just competitive you do not have to like amaze people with crazy wonderful designs it just has to be competitive great like if your prospect goes to your website and then goes to their website they couldn't tell the difference right it's the same. It's on the same level field, right? It looks just as professional. It delivers just as great of user experience. It's just as fast, just as secure. You feel just as confident buying from one or the other. Yet so many players at $5 million and even more like would not take the time to bring their website to a like, competitive grade level. Beyond that, like when you think about marketing, we always ask our clients, like, why did you decide on like this marketing budget? And many a times, it's not like a resource. It's just like, well, that's what we set aside. I'm like, okay, well, how big do you want to be a year, two, five years from now? And they talk about numbers and many times like, well, we wish like in three years we could double. I'm like, that's a great goal. Let me ask you, this $500 million, $500 million company, 
how long did it take for them to go from zero to 500 million? And like, well, they've been around since 2004, so it's been like 15 years, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, but look at their trajectory, how they have grown, and look at the trajectory that you're choosing. It is usually like a deliberate choice, right? You decide how fast you're going to grow. The guy or gal who started a $500 million company just chose a very different trajectory. It's not like they raised capital. Well, some of them have, but, but many of them haven't. It's just a different type of thinking. So I often, like not always, but often come back to that mindset. Like, what are you charting for yourself in the future? And many a times it's like such a wake-up call to those entrepreneurs who are now running that $5 million shop. And they're like, I don't know why I've been thinking about this business in terms of $10 million. Mm-hmm. Now, like, I, yeah. It's always an interesting conversation when, you know, digital marketing is very much so a data-driven industry. And when people look at it more like traditional marketing, you know, and, and branding exercises and things that are harder to track or um, a, a little bit looser overall, it, it's apples and oranges. So you look at running some form of, of paid ads, Google ads, and you know exactly what your ROI is for every you know, dollar that you spent, you made $10 in, in revenue off of your e-commerce website. Well, if, if you're doing that and your ad spend is $10,000 a month, well, if you could spend 20 and still make, you know, make that same ratio, you know, have that, that same return on your investment, why wouldn't you double it up? Um, find, you know, find the money and, and double your business. Um, that there, there are thresholds where that stops working, where there's no more high quality, uh, sure. you know, traffic at that same price or same conversion rate, et cetera. But um, when you think of it in those terms of saying, look, you know, if you found a model that works, put as much into it as you can until you reach a breaking point where you can't get any more of that and you've got to look to, to other sources. Um, it is a different mindset than a lot of other marketing or, or a lot of other initiatives. Yep, Absolutely. And another thing, and right now I'm thinking back about our coronavirus current situation, right? Like how to grow, how to not just maintain, but how to grow and thrive at the tail end of this thing. One of the major issues, or a major gap rather, that I see with a lot of merchants is the following. They are thinking about how to get a sale. Right, and everyone like wants to get a sale, but what they should be focusing on is they should be getting a customer, not a sale. My goal for my businesses is to always get a customer, show them love, show them care, follow up with them after they bought, right? Make sure that we're there for them forever, serving them, making their life better, making their business better. If this is a B two B situation. So when it comes to e-commerce, when it comes to merchants, some, so many of them have either absolutely no program in place to follow up with customers, like at all, right? Yeah. Or have a very, very weak program in place, which is like one or two emails, the mm-hmm. end. Now, a customer who has purchased from you once and it was a quality product is highly likely to buy from you again. In fact, more successful merchants that we have, they report to us that 25 to 30% of their revenue comes from repeat business. Now, what that means to you is you've already spent money acquiring this customer once. Mm -hmm. The second time around costs you nothing to make that sale. Aside from sending out those emails, I keep a close tabs on annual statistics from various resources on all things in commerce. One of the stats that I absolutely love and adore and tell all of our clients about is that for every dollar invested into email marketing in e-commerce, I don't think it works like that anywhere else, but in e-commerce, you get $38 back. Yeah. So it's, if you do it, it's, it's so, like, such a low cost. If you think about what it costs to send out uh, a direct mail piece between yep. the design and the printing and the, and the addressing and, and the lists and the, and the, uh, the postage and, you know, and all in, um, it, it gets pricey per piece. It what it costs yeah. per email is Nothing. negligible. 
Um, and, and you know, above and beyond that, you know, for merchants of a certain size, uh, it doesn't have to be all that, that big anymore. You know, being able to engage in, in multi-channel communications, being able to reach out to merchants through text messages, SMS messages, which they're pretty responsive to. Open rates of text messages are, are pretty strong still. Yep. Um, you know, th there's various mediums, right? You know, so it's back to being where your customers are. Um, and speaking to them in, in relative terms. And at the same time, there have been <coughs> tons of messages now that talk about, uh, you know, the COVID-19 response of different companies. And in some ways, you know, there are some companies where it's important to let your customers know that you're open for business, that you have a contingency plan or whatever else is going on. And, and that's uh, communications can be important. But there are other things that you can be doing to stay top of mind with with, uh, with customers. You don't have to be ambivalent to what's going on in the world, um, yep. you know. But you can still try to bring them value, um, and I think that that's what uh, what's often important about. It's not about sending three emails a day um, and and sort of just filling people's inboxes. It's it's about value. Um, so you know, when, when it comes to thought. You know, leadership there. It's uh, you know, I, I I've always liked to to think you know uh, about a a variable strategy where you're going to have more than just one type of communication, um, and not just medium, not just how you're sending the the messages, but talking about what you're doing in the community, talking about what's new in the market, new products, um, content that you're putting out about comparing products or. You know th things of that nature, um, Sasha. I'm sure you've got some, uh, you know, some some great campaigns that, that you've helped people to to run. And you know, I, I think that it's it's important to remember that you're marketing to to people, and that as Sasha, as you said, that customer lifetime value. Um, that you're trying to build a relationship. You want this uh, this customer not just to convert one time. Um, but to come back to the website, to tell other people about it, to share it in other places and make more people aware, um, to think of it as as a brand, as a business, as an entity um, with its own story and not just as a commodity. Because then, you know, Amazon's for commodities. Um, Amazon's not really the safest place for a merchant. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a place where you can get lost in the shuffle as a seller pretty quickly. Um, you know, th there's a lot more safety in building your own brand and, and your own customer base. You know, and, and Sasha, I mean, anything come to mind when it comes to some of those, uh, you know, unique campaigns and and ways of uh, really engaging with shoppers? Definitely. <clears throat> so I'm going to use an example that is not our client, but they are a local to me company. So I live in Chicago, so just north of Chicago, and we have a local company called Grunt Style. They are basically a t-shirt shop that has expanded their product line. They print all the stuff here somewhere like southwestern suburb. So all of their labor is here. Their office is here. They're pretty awesome bunch of guys and gals doing this. And one thing that they do is they're absolutely relentless about sending out emails and communicating with customers. Some of those emails are commercial. And some of those emails are just, a, hey, what's up? Here's what we've been up to. How can we support you better in whatever these challenging times, et cetera? Here are some news. Here's some stuff that you may find interesting. There is definitely intent in their email campaign. But they also understand that they stay, stay in front of me. Like staying in front of me via email costs them nothing, right? And from time to time, I'll click their emails. It's not 100% open rate. It's not 100% click-through rate. But there is a rate. And unlike clicking their ads on Facebook, those open rates do not cost anything. Right? It's just the cost of creating that one email. So whether you're watching this, listening to this uh, during difficult times or during great times, remember that if you do not have a consistent email sequence, you're leaving money on the table. The way that we recommend our clients and do for our clients to do this, first of all, something super simple, it's create a calendar of national holidays. As long as your product can be promoted and attached to any of those holidays or all of those holidays, do it. 
So holidays is number one. Seasons is number two. Like, hey, spring is in the air. Buy my shit. Whatever <laughs> this, this shit. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, as long as you're not, like, trying to sell coffins for Memorial oh, Day yeah. or something or Mother's R- Day. I mean, I, yeah. Right. Right. That's a bad exception for me right. to think about. But yeah, I don't know the, how you came up with that, but all right. Yeah, I don't know why that. But, uh, but no, I, you know, I've, I've worked with a few categories of merchants that oh, interesting. get more creative. Yeah. Uh, but in general, I, I think absolutely that there's nothing wrong with sending some cheer into the world as long as you're – as long as, in my opinion, as long as it's part of a varied marketing effort um, yep. where it feels natural and it's, you know, your only communication isn't buy our stuff and, yep. you know, and here's what's on sale. We're discounters and what have you. But, you know, but actually speaking to being experts in your field, again, not, not just keeping it as a commodity, but um, producing content, some of that content on your site, you know, For blog sure. or otherwise, video content. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to give anybody ideas about creating podcasts or anything that, that that's a terrible idea that nobody wants those, <laughs> but you get the idea that there are different ways of getting messaging out there that's helpful, or just in some cases, as, as I try to do bringing value, um, to the market and, you know, not always being focused on the immediate conversion rate on, on the immediate True. opportunity to make a sale on the spot. Um, but supporting a community, supporting uh, a customer base, um, and uh, you know, and, and knowing that you will, uh, you know, achieve some success out of that as well in a great many cases. Uh, you know that I think that one of uh, one of the things that we talked about um, or touched on a little bit earlier was um, how there will be some companies that aren't able to weather the storm. There will be companies that are going to recede from a lot of marketing. They're going to hold on to capital as best as they can. They're going to make a lot of, um, of tough decisions in many cases out of fear. And if you're going to market, um, picking up some of that market share, there's a good chance that you're going to hold on to it and even see growth after a recession event. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's. Uh, if anything, one of the the key takeaways that, that we heard a little bit from Sasha, and and that I'm I would certainly you know uh, be very much on board with um, that, that there are opportunities here, um, e- even in a down market, even in um, in a crisis. Uh, you know, as, as long as you'll recognize what's going on in the world and, and respect it, that you can formulate ways to to try to you know n- not only stay afloat, um, but uh, to build a better ship for yourself. Without a doubt. And, and thinking about some of the ideas of how you can uh, not just survive, but thrive to this through this. And we have not implemented this yet, but it just came to me while I was listening to you. And that is so as we're going through this coronavirus debacle, uh, if if I was a merchant today, what I would do is I would find a company, an organization, a somebody that is in the process of, of developing or mass producing a solution that helps the world address this issue. So as of today, March 27th, 2020, the shortage of personal protection equipment. Like we know that hospitals, nobody was like truly prepared for this because we've never seen anything like this, right? So face masks are in short supply. Ventilators are in short short supply, whatever. If I was a merchant today who was very business-minded but also conscious of the planet and the community that surrounds me, what I would do is I would run a certain promotion where I would say that we partnered up with this organization that is supplying these masks Every sale that we make, 10%, 20%, 15% of the sale, goes toward buying these face masks and sending it to this hospital or that hospital or doing this. Like you can come up with those ideas as long Mm -hmm. as you're creative. And when you think about like, well, that's going to erode my profit margin. True. But one is if you're thinking about I'm making a sale to get a customer, then you know that it's okay to let go of that profit margin. And, and second, thinking back about Jeff Bezos, who made a fairly sizable business, right? So his whole thing was like, 
your margin is my opportunity. Yeah. Right? So maybe sometimes it's not all about margin. And by the way, I'm hugely empathetic. Like I've been running small businesses for almost 20 years now, brick and mortar. Um, and I know firsthand from four businesses now how important it is to have that profit margin to survive sometimes. All, all the time, right? But at the same time, if you do some of that charitable work right now, where you're going to give away a large portion of your profit margin, that money that you invest into helping others will come back to you wholesomely. Mm -hmm. You just have to wait. It will happen. And follow up with them. Once they became your customers, follow up with them. Don't forget. Yeah. You know, the, the whole goal, I think, of taking care of people right now is to build a customer for life uh, from the capitalist perspective, right? You know, is, is that, um, you know, you want to build that relationship. Um, you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but law of averages should work in your favor. Sure. And, you know, you can get creative. So one of the campaigns I once strategized for a client years ago um, it was almost, uh, you know, a, a, a pick, pick your own charity uh, opportunity where we created different coupon codes um, for the ability to choose. Do you want to use, I'm going to, you know, pick it random here. You know, if you use coupon Red Cross, you're going to get 5% off and we're going to donate 10% to the Red Cross on top of that. Um, and if you choose, you know, coupon I don't know, Doctors Without Borders, then, you know, the same. And so you choose which coupon and based on which you chose, we'll donate in-kind donation, uh, you know. And, and so engaging the shopper to participate instead of, you know, just having on the box that, you know, we're going to give a penny on every whatever it is to, yep. to charity, but actually making it um, something that, that the shopper um, gets to participate with. And, you know, there are, you can pick something in your local community, you can pick something um, that families might might get behind, uh, you know, if you're supposed uh, supporting local education or something. Right now, there's a lot of school districts and things that are trying to scramble to get technology to give to kids for remote sure. learning. And um, th there's a lot of folks that are upside down on their budgets and uh, um, and and hurting. Whether you know, at all, oh, well, I, I could go on and on and on about uh, about that. So finding ways to engage in ways that people want to participate in, absolutely. Um, so we, we started touching on a little bit of, of, uh, you know, of, of actual, you know, conversation about what real merchants are dealing with right now. Um, now I know that we're, we talked a lot about marketing, but, uh, Sasha, I know that there are some other things going on in, in the world right now that are going to make a business harder to operate or m make all the things that we'd like to see businesses do to achieve success right now, all, all the harder or, uh, in some cases, near impossible without shifting gears a lot. Um, have you been seeing anything in particular? Have, have you run into any particular businesses where, uh, you know, where their traditional business model is really not uh, going to be applicable in the current conditions? So I, I know that, uh, for instance, like if, if you're dealing with, um, you know, with fitness right now, you're not going to be able to bring people into a studio. So, you know, th th there are all sorts of categories where um, you may not be able to operate in a more traditional e-commerce sense of selling raw goods or such, se selling a, uh, you know, a, a shippable item or something that could be um, picked up at curbside. But any merchants that you've been advising that you think might, um, you know, might have started off thinking that they they didn't really have a good option here, and that um, you know maybe there is a strategy after all. No, so I have not faced, I have not dealt with that as of recently at all. Um, but here's what I have dealt with: so some merchants who are shipping healthcare-related items, vitamins and such, have been grossly under-communicating with their customers. Hmm. So, as you can imagine, in the current environment, there are a lot of items that are back-ordered. So, you may be placing an order, and the website may tell you that the item is back-ordered or not. Mm -hmm. If it does say that it's back-ordered, there is usually like a time estimate 
right? And it says, this will ship in approximately seven days. Most merchants, not like global behemoths, but most merchants that let's say a company is under $100 million in revenue are doing a horrible job in communicating with those customers. And here's what I mean by that. Put yourself into a customer's shoes. You place an order and you know that it's back ordered and it's expected to be back in stock and shipped in about seven days. Now, you as a customer now have the following couple options. One is you can just wait and hope for the day when it arrives. So, for example, you have ordered vitamin C or any other uh, immune booster, right? And you're just waiting for that thing and you don't know when it will be delivered. And if you are in a situation as a customer uh, where you need that stuff because you have a member of your household who is immunodeficient, like you're thinking about that item every day and you're thinking about that merchant every day. That every day that that merchant does not communicate about the status of the order, that is the day when that customer doesn't think about that merchant in a positive light. The opposite is also true, and we have advised some merchants to do that, to fix the situation rapidly. We said, communicate with your customers every day. Give them a status order just the same way as you're talking to your suppliers every day Mm-hmm. And want to know when will the stuff be back in stock? When will it be delivered to you? Or if it's drop shipment, when will, when will it be delivered to your customers? Like you should be communicating the same way with your customers. Here's what it does. When you do that and your competition does not, because often enough that very same customer went to a few different websites and offered a few different items from a few different websites. When you do this and your competition does not, what does that build between you and the customer? I had a website that I I ordered from uh, earlier in March and order went through fine. Um, A week and a half later, I got an email saying that they were not able to procure more from their supplier and they were canceling the order. They didn't, if they weren't able to ship it, I, and it wasn't on back order. It was listed as available. I was, I would have expected that they would have let me know within a day, maybe two days, um, that the chances that I'm going to go back and order from that same company that I understand just seems at least seems, and maybe they were swamped because of everything going on. You know, I I try to be forgiving about, uh, you know, individual situations, but that's my only experience with this website. Um, is that they were ill-equipped to communicate with me effectively, to give me a chance to order in a reasonable amount of time from somewhere else. Um, you know, so uh, absolutely, it, it has an impact. And uh, you know, while I may still be on their email list or such, I'm probably not going to be putting any orders in there anytime soon. Yep. Um, I, supply chain issues are not easy to necessarily overcome, and those are real in the market right now. Um, although not. Um, not necessarily, you know, for, for everyone, but obviously, you know, those listening, either they're having those issues or they're not. Um, you know, it's uh, it's something where it's always supposed to stay about putting the customer first. And it's not like they reached out to me by phone to apologize or sent a message saying that, you know, when it comes in stock, we'll, you know, we'll send, we'll send it to you plus some extra, you know, whatever it may have been to try to make sure to keep me a, as a long-term customer. Um, you know, th- there are a lot of, uh, a lot of options for how you can, you know, or give me a coupon tour if they were canceling out the order toward a future purchase and, you know, w- with their apologies, you know, and anything that might've said, look, we, we're, we're sorry for taking a week and a half to tell you, we're not going to yeah. send you this product. Yeah. But, but, but let me ask you this. Do you think that coupon would have fixed the situation? I don't think that it would have made up for the fact that they they had poor communication, but I think that it would have at least said to me that you know they recognized that this that this was not handled in a way that that should be that it should have been. Um, yeah. You know, but would some, you go back to them? Well, you know, I, at this point, I got what I needed elsewhere, and so mm. I wasn't in the market for for the particular product at the moment. Um, you know, and and. If they had given me some kind of, maybe I would have gone back and taken a look for something else or depending on what they'd offered me, um, maybe they could have tried to recapture me as a customer and build a positive experience, but they didn't really do anything to, to get me to do that. And, 
I wasn't going to go back for the same product at this point. I, I had already, you yeah. know, I was already at that point since they couldn't get it, going to get it yeah. elsewhere. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, so, it's, it's a tough one. And again, I, I understand that, you know, I, I'm trying to um, be gracious in situations like that because I understand that they may have been inundated at the moment or, or this may have been a very unusual time for them as a business. However, um, there's still an, regardless of, of how I handle, you know, so like I'm not out there leaving bad reviews or doing anything negative where, where someone might have been, yep. um, you know, that's, that's not my nature, but they didn't capture me as, as a customer um, at all. And yep. I think that that's to me that just the net effect is that they could have attempted to soften the blow um, and, and they didn't. Um, yep. And, you know, and they could have come back to me now. It's been another week and a half or something. They could have come back in the aftermath to say, you know, we were really behind. And, you know, we know that you and others, you know, I, I assume others were in the same boat, uh, experienced this. And so this is how we're going to, uh, we're, we're going to address it with you. And, you know, we, we hope you'll come back. Yeah. It, it, and, that's and it's never work. too late to go back to people, uh, in my opinion, in these situations and say, you know, we had an unusual event. And, and that's the truth when, there's a technical issue and so people's orders got delayed or had issues, you know, whatever it may be that I don't think it's ever too late to try to save what, uh, what could be a long-term relationship. I don't know. I think that in this specific example, I think that they messed up the relationship. And if they would have come back a week or two later and said, hey, we're very sorry this happened, you know, it was a situation behind, beyond our control, like check out our catalog, see if there's anything that you like, take a discount. I think that might might already be too late to salvage that relationship. But here's how easily mm-hmm. they could have mitigated all of this. Like you don't have a time to type up a template email to send out to your, all your customers. Fine. Grab your cell phone. Like one of your employees grabs her phone. Like I prefer ladies to do this because they come off a little nicer than guys. Oh, you're place. saying I don't come off as nice. You come I, off I very nice, Robert. You really do come <laughs> off very nice. However, like I think, I think a, a woman's touch, uh, more finesse, would probably do better. So here's what I would do: like if I was a merchant facing the same situation, I would have Linda pick up her phone every day and record a video. Hey, it's Linda from ABC Store. Um, today is. March 27th, and as of today, we're still like having a hard time with, with some of the items, like getting some of the items shipped out. It is not our fault. Here's what's happening. We're working with the, with the manufacturer. We're working, working with our supplier. Like, here's what is happening. I am going to keep you updated on this thing daily, right? Yes. And by the way, here's my phone number. You can call me, either I or one of my colleagues will pick up the phone. And talk to us about this if you have any additional questions. And by the way, here's my email. You can just respond to this email. We typically respond within a few hours. Like we'll do everything to get this to you as you as soon as humanly possible. This video production mm-hmm. would have taken oh like ninety seconds. Yeah. Like posting it to YouTube or wherever wherever else yeah. you want to host mm-hmm. it would have taken another hundred twenty seconds. Then just shove it into your. CRM, whatever it is that you're yeah. using to, to mask. There are ways to do it. And look, I, I don't know if it, I don't know if the gender of the person calling makes a real difference. I, I'm willing to concede that, that, you know, women are, are the smarter gender. So, you know, maybe people just respect what they say a little bit more. I'll go with that. But, um, <laughs> uh, but, but I, I agree that at that point you, you want whoever is getting on the line. Um, and that may more often, you know, be someone with, with, with a, uh, a more motherly tone or something, just somebody that, that's going to make people feel like, like someone cares. Yeah, um, exactly. And so I, I see where you're coming from with it, right. that, you know, that, that that's, you know, that that's really what it's about. It's, it's letting them, them hear that, um, that they're real people and yep. uh, that somebody care. And I think right now, I think that's all most people want to feel and, and experience in the world is that we're all very removed from each other. Um, more than normal. Um, I'm a guy yep. that n- is used to working remotely, and you know, th- th- obviously, this is a bit of an extreme time. Uh, I I think that anything that you do to stop and humanize a situation, yeah, um, is so going to be important. be a plus. And again, you know, Amazon. I, I'm going to pick on them. Sorry, Mr. Bezos. Uh, 
you know, is is a marketplace of automation and commodity. And, you know, when, when you can uh, build real relationship there, it, it is such a difference in how your business operates and how your customers think of you, treat you, interact with you, um, you know, their loyalty to you. You know, I, I like e-commerce sites building things like loyalty programs where there's reward mm-hmm. points and yep. and other benefits. I, I like, um, you know, e-commerce sites that do things to encourage people <coughs> to return and to participate um, and to share and to like and to, you know, and, and to interact. But there is nothing that's going to do that on the level of the human touch. Absolutely. And interestingly enough, not, not to defend Amazon for what it is, right? It is all about automation, but they will communicate more than a typical merchant. Yes. Like, let me give you an example. Very recently, I ordered something from them, and they said, this item will be delivered to you in three to four weeks. They gave me a time frame of like March 17th through 23rd or something like that. Wide window, and like so many weeks away, whereas usually this would be delivered by Prime within like 48 hours, right? In that time, they sent me an email update a few days after the order, and then they said, Another email later, they said, we think we're going to be able to ship this to you sooner. We think that you're going to get it not in April, but by March 31st. Then they sent me another email saying, oh, we think it's going to be March 29th. And then they sent me an email today saying, it's getting delivered today. Hmm. They have stayed on top of communication. Albeit it was done automatically, but still, they communicated with the customer reassured the customer that they didn't just, oh, we took your money, we took your order, it will be delivered, as we said, sometime in April, and then just surprise me. Hey, it's delivered, right? They've communicated with me. Most merchants couldn't be bothered to do that, although those merchants need money much more than Bezos does. Yeah. Right? And Those customers are much more vital to to, to most merchants than, yes. Of course. Bezos already got hundreds of millions of us as customers. And, and he's got many other lines of business that drive of in lots of revenue and profit. And, and oh, by the way, overwhelming majority of customers pay $119 for prime membership. He's got us, yet he still does better job communicating than many people who need us as customers, most of the merchants. So if you think about it, like today, whatever types of goods that you're selling on your website, I could arguably go and get goods in the same category, if not exact same thing, Mm -hmm. right? So the user experience that your website delivers is the differentiating factor, but even more so because anyone can build a great website. Well, I shouldn't say anyone, but anyone who knows how to create a great user experience. Everyone who knows what shameless plug for JetRails, where to set up their website to make sure that it's incredibly fast and secure because I think like, Walmart found out the hard way that by increasing their load speeds, mm-hmm. they were able to increase their sales by tens of millions of dollars per month. The, the correlation between loading speed and conversion rate is astounding. Yeah, um, I've got articles and things. I, I, I won't, you know, uh, yeah. I won't go into too much detail on this particular episode. But I, you know, it, it's the same thing that there are businesses that right now that you know, that are dealing with scalability issues that yep. never expected the amount of traffic that they've gotten and don't have the right resources to solve for that in an emergency. Yep. Um, and those are the kinds of things that the jet rails drives in because we focus on supporting, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, growth e-commerce. So it's, yep. um, you know, the, without trying to make it a plug, I think that, but, you know, whether it's, it's jet true. rails or another vendor, um, that, that it's important to pay attention to the things that matter. Yeah, and it's true. And once again, this may sound like a commercial for jet rails, but, but here's the truth, right? If you can get jet rails to speed up your website by half a second, jet rails is going to be absolutely free to your business, right? Because your conversion is going to improve. You're going to make more sales. So think about it this way. Anyone who can speed up your website is free. Anyone who can improve user experience on your website is free because they more than pay for themselves. I know that some of the merchants will be like, well, we'd like to, you know, save money on this and that. It is, speaking of misconceptions, early on you asked me about misconceptions. That is a mind-blowing misconception. 
we're trying to save money. We will not spend more than this on hosting or we're not trying or we're not. Well, yeah. You know, if, if you're marketing. spending, I don't know, I'm going to pick a number out of about a hundred dollars an hour for your web developer and your web developer has got to kill a whole bunch of time trying to get support out of a hosting company. That's not really, you know, set up to handle the, the, the types of mission critical needs. Um, and you're paying for those hours of, you know, so yeah, the, the hosting was cheap, but somebody's costing you money. It's the same way that, you know, you go and, and you don't get a managed hosting service, yep. but you go directly to something like AWS, which back to Mr. Bezos, you know, yep. uh, now we, we host lots of users on AWS, but, but we, we optimize it so that yeah. you're using the right resources. You're not um, burning yep. through unnecessary bandwidth or other things that you, it's metered, you're paying for it. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and so at some point, sometimes getting something properly optimized, getting something properly run, um, and, and the same is going to apply when it comes to building, uh, you know, a site or rebuilding it that, you know, in life, they, they always say, you know, you can have it, uh, you can have it fast, you can have it cheap, you can have it good, right? You know, yep. pick two out of the three, you're never sure. going to get all three in, in the right. same time that, that I think that's the challenge is that, uh, and with web hosting, you know, part of it is that people think of it as an afterthought. It's like, you know, they put a lot of thought into the design, they put a lot of thought into, certain facets of the business. I find even things like optimizing the shipping um, so that you're not overpaying for shipping yep. so that you've got better rates, which whether you pass those on to the shopper, which can improve your conversion rates, people don't want to overpay for shipping either. They're comparing you yep. to others. Um, or, you know, whether that's just helping your margins that by better optimizing back of the house, you'd be amazed at what it can have uh, in terms of effect sure. on, on your net. Um, 100%. And and so there's a lot of that. It's not just hosting. It it applies to a lot of categories that, uh, it, you know, if you take the time to look at every facet of the business and to tighten the nuts and bolts, um, you can really set yourself up for easier, better growth with better margins. And in many cases, you can free up staff um, from spending time dealing with problems or um, doing things manually, get more support, more automation, more other things in yep. there. And have your team focus on growing the business out there on, yep. on talking to your customers and making them feel good and, and helping to promote them shopping more. Even if that's through something like live chat where you're helping shoppers sure. on the website in real time. Always. Um, like, how can you not have live chat? Today? Right. You know, so, I mean, what, whatever the, it is that you're going to have those staff members dedicate themselves to, you know, it's where are, where's your team spending time now? Um, you know, I, I love to look at yeah. and why. You know, it, is there a cheaper solution when, yeah, when you look at what that, that employee is costing, um, is, is there something out there that'll do it more effectively for less money and free up that person? Yeah. Not to, you know, I, I always look at this and I understand that there are cases where that might give an opportunity to cut down staff, but I rarely see it um, as someone being, uh, being removed from a team. I usually see it as someone uh, in reality and in, in the real world is being repurposed. Um, yep. is being able to do something much more valuable for the company that the companies wish that they were able to focus on. So, yeah. um, you know, another thing like, like you brought up like live chat and it's so crazy for me to see like e-commerce websites, merchants not having chat support or any other type of like real support phone. And when you ask merchants like, why don't you have that? They're like, you know, we just don't have the resources to do that. And I'm like, I know. And I, how I know this is because you're leaving a lot of money on the table yeah. by not offering customers the support that they need. You're simply turning them away and sending them somewhere else where they will get that support. Mm -hmm. it's so basic, but not that many people on an average business in a normal situation are going to call you up. It's e-commerce. They don't want to talk yeah, to you. True. Um, they, they don't. They don't want to with bother you. But, but they want to know that they can. I. You know that they. They want to see that phone number. Yeah. Um, that it. They don't feel very good about the idea that if they haven't purchased from you before, they don't know you. If they have an issue, that you know they're they're going to be stuck. Uh, you know, without a, a a solid way of communicating. That you know, who wants to wait for a week to get a response yeah. to an email? But but um, Peter, at the, at the same time, when you think about B two B ecom. Like that's a must. Like you gotta have that phone there. Yeah. Well, like one order in B two B can be so valuable. Um, you know, business to business is is its own animal in in many ways. That the same way that you know, in, in retail, if you're selling, you know, an average order value of fifty dollars, your relationship with a customer and the volume of customers that you yep. hopefully have is very different 
than you know B2B if you're selling an average order of a thousand or ten thousand um, dollars. And you should have a sales team with a CRM that's following up with those folks and you know sure. making sure that a- any potential order that it's coming your way that just because it's e-com doesn't mean the sales team goes away. Um, Correct. You know that so they're they, ah, it's so it's, true. Uh, it's it's so interesting that um, yeah. how things. The more things change, the more that they stay the same. It's yeah. just it's modern uh, application, you know, a, a, a modern channel for things that have worked for a very, very long time. Yep. Peter, yeah, Peter, you know, I mean, that, I, and that's what live chat is. It's yeah. you know, it's the sales clerk that you get to ask a question that you get to say, "Hey, I'm looking for this. You know, I, I can't seem to find it, or what do you recommend, or you know, whatever." however you want to look at it, that it's a human being to help you through the sales process. Yep. Um, you yep. know, who wants to run a retail store and not have somebody that you can just, Hey, uh, you know, you got True. that. Let, let me, I'm getting a signal that I have to go. I have another meeting coming up, but let me give you my favorite story about what you just said from jet rails parent company, because I've known jet rails parent company for like 20 years. Right. So many, many, many years ago, eBound host, got a phone call from a guy out in California who said he wanted to get a server, but didn't know which server to get and whether he actually needed a server. So the founders of eBound Host talked to the guy and they're like, listen, for what you're looking for, we can send you an old server. We don't need it anymore. You can have it for free if you pay like $30 shipping charge. And the guy's like, awesome, send it to me. So these two guys, they sent him this server absolutely free of charge. Pays 30 bucks for, for shipping, and then a couple months go by. The guy calls them again. He says, you know, I started this business out of my garage. You know, it's small, but, like, I need an additional server. And they're like, hmm, okay, we'll set it up for you. So they set up one server, and then some months go by, and he calls them, hey, I need, like, four more servers. And they're like, oh, interesting. You're, like, really ramping up. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're getting busy. And then time goes by, and this guy just keeps on like getting more and more service, and then the guy stops calling. Somebody else from his company continues to call. Long story short, and I think this story is now 12 or 13 years in the making, there came a point, I think that was three or four years ago, when that guy went public and continued using eBound hosts' servers. And there came a point where I cannot disclose the exact numbers, but a substantial amount of profit, not profit revenue, came from that one client. Why? They answered the stupid phone. Well, and they, they thought creatively the about, they you thought know, it's actually, I've, I have not heard this story before, which puts a big them. smile on my face. But great story. I, you know, yeah. I, I, it fits exactly with how, how JetRails yeah. operates, but... It, they weren't offering their traditional product or service. They weren't, you know, they didn't just look at it like a, no. uh, a yes or a no, they you know, you yes, we, this is, you know, you either buy something that we offer or don't. They, uh, you know, they, they actually took the time to, um, you know, to, to think creatively and, and yep. humanely. And yep. um, that's fantastic. And, and, um, and, and they, they talk about seeing results later down the road without disclosing how much but that revenue is measured in millions not a million not two million not three million not millions well you know now people are gonna think that you know this whole grassroots marketing thing that i'm doing with this podcast <laughs> that, that i'm i'm really underselling it but hey you know no, just, no you're not underselling. it's the right thing to do right yeah that uh you know I, i'm not big on flash and razzmatazz and i i really like to keep it about you know commerce conversation but yeah um so sasha i i know you're running um short on time and uh this has been absolutely fantastic um really appreciate you coming on the podcast Thanks, and, and yeah, sharing insights um any final thoughts before i wrap it up yeah be great think big whatever business that you have you may do i don't know $20,000 in revenue now, or you may be doing $20 million in revenue, think bigger, right? Always think bigger, set, set strong objectives and just, just aim for them. And, and remember, <laughs> we talked about like the value of jet rails and, and marketing companies and web design companies. Remember that a good vendor is going to be absolutely free to you. So if you think you don't have a budget for a good vendor, you're paying for that vendor just a lot more in the revenue that you're not realizing. 
It's just as simple as that. So change your mindset. Always think like expansion when everyone thinks recession. Think big. Think that a good vendor is a lot cheaper, actually free, than a not so good vendor and you'll rock and roll. Good. Well, you know, if to our listeners out there, you know, as always, um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we've got a lot more great episodes coming, um, you know, especially for those that are looking for advice in how to continue to operate successfully or, or you know, really uh, build a successful operation in, in e-commerce. Um, you know, we're committed to bringing information that, that's going to be specific to what you're, uh, what you're seeing in the, in the market right now. Um, if you have questions about this podcast or any of our podcasts, any of the episodes, um, if you'd like us to connect you with some experts, uh, again, I'm, I'm going to share some, uh, some, some links in the, uh, the notes in the description to the episode. But, uh, you know, we do hope that you'll reach out. And if there's a way that we can help, um, I know in this episode, we went into a lot of high level thoughts and some specific examples that may or may not apply to you. But, uh, you know, rest assured, there are people out there that, that want to help. And so, um, you know, we, we hope that we will hear from you if there's anything we can do for you. And with that, um, I, I wish you a happy selling, uh, a, lot, a lot of uh, health, and stay safe out there. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Take care, guys.